the American Constitutional Republic, affairs of state in Oklahoma, the beliefs, principles, opinion, and views of people like you. This is 3D Politics. Featuring creator of Sooner Politics, an expert on Oklahoma State government, professional advocate for those needing mental health care. Find him at SoonerPolitics.org, David Van. And of course, founder and scholar of Constitutional Grounds, political leader, educational speaker, former state of Oklahoma elector. Find him at ConstitutionalGrounds.com, David Oldham. And of course, me, your fine host, the verbal Viking, perspicuitous plunderer of conversation, Tommy McKay, your fine host right here once again, 3D Politics Live, every Monday night for a couple of years now, exciting show tonight, Jackson Lawmeyer, uh, who is the contender against Senator Langford. Uh, he is on the show tonight for the first half hour. I can't wait to bring him on. What a coup. We finally got somebody to contend uh, uh, with one of the young swamp monsters out there. We've, you know, we've had Inhofe for 50 years, and, and now uh, uh, old Lankford is working on his time schedule. But tonight, Jackson Lawmeyer, challenger to James Lankford. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Prince Harry, of course, and Meghan Markle. We've got to get some of that in. Uh, vaccination rules are all about our COVID update and, of course, a constitutional minute and an update from Oldham. Uh, and we've got it all going on tonight. So let's, uh, let's, let's humanize ourselves first. What do we know? What have you guys been doing? Uh, and what do we know about your, your uh, regular life? Are you still guys human? <laughs> what can you Do see my face? <laughs> yeah, but that's, the, the that could be a deep fake. That could be a deep fake, David. I, I'm looking forward to tonight's show. And uh, and then later, we're going to talk about getting permission to go out in public without a mask. Who knew we needed permission? Yeah, well, they did. <laughs> they knew a long time ago. I've got I've got some exciting. For me, it's exciting news. We won't, you know, I'm sure I'll share more later. Uh, but I do have to, uh, I got to show you this. I, uh, uh, I am now on uh online as the verbal viking there it all is baby uh right. you can you can see i've got the verbal viking blog uh, van taught me how to blog i've got my gym works information that yeah. that shows you you know uh photos and and videos i've got my my opg videos uh, are always there all right. all, always bruce jenner to me that's a winner yes. uh, audio there on soundcloud <laughs> and, and of course i i cue them uh, over here, 3D Politics will be able to find us uh, nice. right there. Absolutely. So you can catch me. Uh, you know where to find Van. Uh, uh, he's over there at SoonerPolitics.org. You know where to find Oldham, ConstitutionalGrounds.com. And now you know where to find the old Tommy over there at TheVerbalViking.com. Oh, so there you go. So, okay, I think we need to go ahead and set this up and bring Lawmeyer in uh, here. Uh, now, the last couple of shows, I was uh, 
certainly upset with Langford. And I just went off the edge with demure and skirts and stuff like that. And Monday I get all fired up. And then on Tuesday I shake in my boots thinking, boy, I can't wait till the senator calls me. <laughs> yes, Mr. Langford. <laughs> Have you heard from him yet? No, they don't answer me. Are you kidding me? If you're an incumbent, you don't dare talk to me because I'm likely to ask you something. I talked to a couple people from his office on Saturday. Did it was you? interesting, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, very good. Maybe we can bring that in. But let's go ahead and move to the challenger. I'm so glad to see one. Uh, f uh, the challenger to James Lankford, Jackson Lawmeyer. We're going to bring him in from the waiting room. Ladies and gentlemen, let me see if we can find him here. Uh, let's see here. Oh, there it is. We're going to bring him in. <laughs> and uh, here we go. Oh, perfect. We beamed you in. Look at that. Now that's 100%. Look at there. What happened to David Van? <laughs> he was trying to not get off anything and now everything crashed. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I took the cube out. Uh, Jackson Lawmeyer, how are you today? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, having me on tonight. I think we'll have a great time. Oh, you bet. I appreciate your opportunity for us to speak with you. Have you met? I don't know. I know you and I are meeting for the first time on Zoom tonight. We certainly appreciate your time and, and your your service as uh, a challenger to uh, Inhofe. Anybody who does uh, this uh, official campaigning is doing service to the country, I believe. Uh, but uh, do you know Van and Oldham? Have you met before? Or this is the first time for you guys. It's the first time. First time. All but right. By the way, I'm not challenging Inhofe. It's actually James Langford. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me. I put them all in the same bucket when they get in the swamp. <laughs> so uh, uh, hopefully we can keep that from happening to you. But, yes, that's correct. Langford was the one I was all upset about because he put his foot down and then took his foot back. And so that was a problem for me. But enough of me. Tell us why you got into politics, why you're running, and your three, ma oh, three major points of why, what you're doing. Absolutely. Well, for those who may not know, uh, I'm the pastor of Sheridan Church right here in Tulsa. And I own my own business, Lawmire Investment Company. I got five wonderful, beautiful kids with my wife, Kendra. So we have, uh, you know, a great family, great life, great church. Back in 2018, I was eyeing maybe running for state senate in District 34 of Oklahoma, which is where I live in Owasso, and just kind of working behind the scenes, looking at what would that look like uh, to run for the state senate. Then 2020 hit, and everything changed. And our church came under attack from our incompetent mayor, our radical city council, and the weaponized health department because we refused to shut down and we also refused to enforce the mask. Now, we're not anti-maskers. We have masks available, but the majority of the people in our church didn't want to wear them while they were at church, so we didn't enforce it. And uh, I found myself as a pastor in a fight with our local government. Thankfully, uh, I got a strong church, a lot of fighters like me, and uh, we won. We won against the mayor, we won against the city council, and we also won against the health department, all three of those different battles. We, we stayed open, we did church, and uh, we didn't enforce the mask, and we got stronger through that entire process. But while that was happening, it was about in October that I just started sensing that, you know, the Lord was leading me to run for the United States Senate. Now, I wasn't eyeing the U.S. Senate. I was looking at the state Senate here uh, in Oklahoma, and I wasn't sure how to begin to tell people that I'm thinking about running for the United States Senate and challenging James Langford without them thinking I was absolutely crazy. You know, I'm a pastor, I'm a business owner, 
I've never been into politics, and I'd be honest with you, uh, that's not necessarily the goal. Uh, but <clears throat> I realized how important uh, to have strong leadership in those positions uh, because I experienced very poor leadership on uh, the end of the city of Tulsa. And I started to watch some things when it came to James Langford that uh, I was very unimpressed with. You know, back in June, whenever it was the summer of rioting and there was just so much tension within our nation, uh, James Langford, he didn't come out and say, I support the bill to replace Columbus Day with Juneteenth as a federal holiday. Uh, he actually wrote the bill. And that concerned me. I, why is a senator for the state of Oklahoma jumping on board with this cancel culture theme that is taking place. Now, obviously, as soon as Senator Langford realized that there was going to be some major backlash to that, you know, he pulled back very quickly. But we have to remember, he wrote that bill then. And then I watched him after the election. That was so crazy flip and flop like a fish out of water. It was, you know, one minute his foot was down and he was going to make a stand. Then the next minute, you know, he's caving. And so it was just something that didn't sit well with me. And when he came back to Tulsa and apologized to the black community for questioning fraud in those cities like Philadelphia and Atlanta, because, you know, they're highly African-American. And he apologized for questioning those, um, those races, having fraud within them. I said to myself, something's not right uh, with this. Why, why is he apologizing for questioning, which all of us recognize there was fraud in this past election <laughs> in cities like Atlanta uh, and Philadelphia. And it's not racist to question what happened. And when he apologized, I said, this isn't good. This isn't yeah. good. We've got a very, very weak individual. He's a good guy, mind you. James Langford is a good guy, but he's a very weak leader. And right now, our country doesn't have time for good, weak leaders. We need good people who are strong fighters. And that's just sort of been uh, the trend that I've had in 2020. So to answer your question, why are we running? Well, I believe the Lord guided me to run. I didn't know what that would look like. And I had to take the advice that I'd give anybody in my con congregation. If God's telling you to do something and God is confirming it with other people in your life, you better do what God's telling you to do. So it's easier uh, to preach that than it is to practice that. And so we're doing it and we're having tremendous success right now. Absolutely tremendous success. That's excellent. Yeah, you know, you had a couple of lines in there uh, uh, that I wish I'd have written. But uh, that was some of my favorite stuff there. Uh, and I got your name right. I might get the other guy's names wrong, but I got your name right. Hey, before uh, we uh, move on to a, a couple of questions, because I got one already, uh, and I want to talk about the three main points you want to do when you get uh, into office, uh, hopefully. But Tuesday, what's coming up for you, a big thing on Tuesday? We have the biggest event so far in the short life of this journey. We've been in the exploratory phase of what would it look like uh, to run for the United States Senate and not just challenge James Lankford. We're going to replace James Lankford. What, what would that look like? And, um, well, we had a big break. General Michael Flynn has endorsed me for the United States Senate, and we are flying him into Tulsa. March the 16th, which is a Tuesday, and we're going to have a huge event out at the Riverwalk. General Flynn's going to share. Mm -hmm. I'm going to share. It's going to be at 630. In fact, you're the first 
media outlet that we're telling. We got a press ah, release ah. going out tonight. So this is breaking news live. There you go, Van. Uh, the, there you the, go. Uh, Who's the breaking news now, Van? Breaking there it news. is. Breaking news. <laughs> so it's going to be at the primetime headquarters. Uh, it's going to be at 6.30. General Flynn will right. be there. I'll be there. And we've got some others lined up as well. So it's going to be a great time. It's a big honor. Okay, now uh, I was I was exploding with joy there. Tell us again where it's at and what the times are again. It's going to be at the Jinx Riverwalk, and it's the Thrive Time headquarters, yeah. and you can just Clay Google Clark. that. You'll find where that is with Clay Clark. And it's going to be at 6.30, Tuesday night, March the 16th, and uh, General Flynn will be sharing, and I'll be sharing, and we're going to officially launch the campaign. We're going to move out of the exploratory phase and into an actual candidate. Okay, that's excellent stuff. I'm glad you're getting some support back there. So as we move into some questions, we're uh, and 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 do you, can you concisely say, you know, three main points or motives you have if you get in? What what what's the three main things you want to get your handles? You know, on? when it comes to the principles, I I think that's what's super important. You got to be grounded in your principles. And in 2020, I led the church with three principles that seemed to work very well that people respected and they liked. The first one was it's got to be biblical. And what I mean by that is when G.T. Bynum and our radical city council said, you're not going to gather and have church. Well, that's not biblical. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves. We don't stop that. Not only does it need to be biblical, it's got to be constitutional. Although our mayor, although our city council was saying we couldn't gather, the First mm -hmm. Amendment of the United States Constitution guarantees the right for me and my church to assemble together. And then thirdly, it's just got to make common sense. If we used common sense, we could solve so many of the problems uh, that we have in front of us today. Wearing two masks in your car all by yourself, that's not common sense. And so we've got to stop living on our heads and start living on our feet and thinking. That's right. Uh, two two masks so, uh, in the car by yourself is comedy. That is not <laughs> common sense. Hey, you're so, listening right now to Jackson Lawmeyer challenging James Lankford uh, for the seat in the Oklahoma uh, uh, Senate. Uh, uh, and so uh, we're finding out why he's running, and that's some exciting stuff. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really glad you're here, but also you're joining David Oldham and David Van along with Tommy McKay every Monday night on uh, 3D Politics Live right here on Facebook. Now, uh, uh, Jackson, are you ready for some questions? Absolutely. Okay, Oldham, you want to, you, what do you got? Well, um, thank you, first off, for running because we need more candidates to run for difficult seats. Um, yes. and, and going up against an incumbent is definitely a, a, an uphill battle. Sure. Um, so my concern uh, is the US Constitution. Uh, the concern I have are, are many, but it's one that I asked uh, Senator Langford back in when he was first running, uh, this would be what, six, 12 years? How long has he been in? Um, anyway, no, he had a special no, election in 14. Yeah, it, was, it was before the special. And, oh. uh, and I asked him what his position on the drug war was. And then I asked him what his, what his justification for his position. Um, what is I'd your like question you, for the... I'd like to ask you the same thing. <laughs> what, is, what is your position on the war on drugs? Have you, what do you have mean? You given, what do you mean you by the war on drugs specifically? 
Well, the the prohibition and then the use of government force to go out and and uh, go after the the supposed criminals because they're they're operating um, despite the prohibition. I think uh, what my colleague is asking is your general concept of, you know, vice versus crime where drugs are concerned and federal authority versus state authority in that area. So if we're speaking in terms of something uh, that we would consider more of a minor drug like marijuana, I think that's different than, say, something that's a much greater destroyer such as meth or cocaine. And so I think we look at it from those two angles. In the sense of here in Oklahoma, you know, we have legalized medicinal marijuana. Um, it's more like the bill is more written like recreational uh, marijuana. So I'm not opposed to medicinal marijuana. I have seen, though, as a pastor, you know, we run a great Celebrate Recovery group uh, here at my church. I have seen the impact that drugs have upon so many different families, destroyed so many different lives. And so it is a balancing act between personal freedom and responsibility, but also punishing crime. And we understand there's a lot of other crimes attached to uh, some of those larger, more nefarious, well-known drugs. So it's a balancing act. Should somebody be locked away uh, for the rest of their life because they sold marijuana? three times? Absolutely not. Uh, I would completely disagree with that. But I think we have to recognize that there is a serious issue here in the United States of drugs pouring in and destroying so many families. And like I said, I, I've seen that firsthand. And it's something that I think we have to address. But we have to educate people. We have to help people. I don't think help is just throwing them in prison. I don't, I don't think that's the answer. I think we've got to be able to help them along the journey to recover and recuperate. And that's one of the things we do here at my church is we have Celebrate Recovery designed just for that very purpose. All right, Van, what, what do you got? Yeah, uh, Reverend, uh, following up on that, you're running for federal office. Do you think constitutionally our federal government has a constitutional role in prohibiting drugs within a state such as, you know, what you call the recreational drugs? So I am of the opinion that we have a false impression of how government is supposed to work. We think the federal government is king and queen, and then the state governments are kind of just, um, you know, they're below that. I think we have to empower our state governments. Here's what I find is interesting. A lot of people will say, well, we can't do anything about the issue of abortion because, you know, the Supreme Court has said Roe v. Wade. So as a state, you know, we're bound to that Roe v. Wade uh, issue by the federal government. But when it comes to what we just mentioned, the issue of medicinal marijuana, the state of Oklahoma said, I don't care what the federal government has to say, because we all know federally it's against the law. But what did the state of Oklahoma do? It exercised its authority constitutionally to implement if we want to regulate and have medicinal marijuana, we're going to do it. So the states have a lot more power and authority than I think most people realize. And we've got to empower the states uh, to govern themselves. Then wouldn't you also say the federal government should just back out of all their other prohibitions having to do with it and leave it up to states on things such as meth or cocaine, as you mentioned? 
I, I, I think for the most part, each state should govern itself. Now, in regards to what the federal government is doing with the war on drugs, that's something where advice will come in. There'll be advisors coming to tell me, I don't know specifically what that looks like. Uh, that's not an issue that I'm thoroughly aware of, but I can tell you it should be the state's responsibility to govern the state. That's, that's where I stand. We need less big federal government and we need stronger state government okay so i got a question kind of back to the crime versus uh uh vice vice thank you vice versus crime so you support the idea i think here in in oklahoma especially in norman we've got a drug court it's a speech like it, it they've specialized a whole new court where it's it's like traffic court they're not dealing with it like it's a crime because traffic yeah traffic violations are just that they're violations they're not crimes necessarily they can you know i mean so the point is if you're not harming someone else it's it's uh, it's a vice so uh you agree with that concept of the drug court thing i think that rehabilitation has to be the goal drugs are a destroyer I, i've witnessed it firsthand rehabilitation has to be the goal in mind and so we have to get better at doing that, you know, what we really have is a mental health crisis. That, that's what we really have on our hands. That's why it's so difficult uh, to be in law enforcement. Uh, it's just the battles that they're facing is absolutely incredible. And so we've got to work and we have to, we, we have to do something in the sense of letting local nonprofits flourish. That's a huge responsibility of local nonprofits, not so much the government. The local nonprofits should be at the forefront of this fight of rehabilitation. Yeah. Jackson, uh, not, I, not, I, I'm <laughs> not laughing at you. It's just Tom has some history about how he did Look, I'm not going to get into it, but put this in yeah. your uh, you know, wheelhouse and think about it. Nonprofit organizations came about when America was suffering not a deficit, but a, uh, we, were had, we were loaded with cash. We had uh, uh, money to spend. We were talking about spending excess uh, income that we had beyond our, our means. Well, now we're in debt uh, to the hilt. We, we really can't afford it. We, we can't afford to let any uh, entity not produce profit for the country. We, we all hands on deck producing profit. So I've got a, I've got an, it's a, it's death by a thousand cuts nonprofits is my concept. So I disagree with you on nonprofits. It'll but take more than 15 I've, minutes I've to done, go through that. I've done, and people are like, oh, yeah, what about the church? Yes, and not the church, no breaks for anybody till we're out of, out of the out of the deficit here. Just, that's my concept. But I'm not uh, running for Senate, and although I've done drugs all night long, I don't want to talk about drugs all night long. <laughs> we're going to have to move on from the drug stuff. Uh, uh, what well, other, wanted, what else you got? Okay, Olden, what do you got? I, can I follow up? Because you were talking about you want to uh, re-empower the states and, and yeah. push things back to the states. Now, the states often want the feds to take the heat rather than them having to deal sure. with it. But right now we have HR1. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That's where they're trying to federalize the, the election, election system without changing the Constitution, which says that the state legislatures are the mm -hmm. ones that make set the rules. Instead, they're going to set the rules from the federal government. And I'm, I'm wondering where you, where you stand on HR1, whether you will stand with the filibuster or whether you would go ahead and end the filibuster and let it go to a vote what what would your what would your position be on that i think we need the filibuster 
And when it comes to our election system, I think all of us one here and probably everybody watching, we need a complete overhaul of the U.S. election system, especially from what we just, uh, you know, witnessed. There is so much fraud. There's so much questioning. And there's just such a debate over something as simple as a voter ID. And that doesn't make any sense to me uh, why that is so controversial. Uh, we use IDs for everything. Uh, it's incredible how often we use ID, except when we're voting on some very important issues that are going to impact and affect every single one of us. And so we, we need a complete overhaul. Now, what that entirely looks like and every single little detail to that, you know, that's gonna take time to figure out. That's gonna take time to actually get to the bottom of what happened in 2020. I don't think any of us fully know or fully understand. I think we have an idea. I think some of us have guesses that are better than others, but I'll bet you all of us are in agreement uh, that we've got to address the mess of this voter irregularities that is taking place. They call it irregularities. James Langford may not call it fraud. Jackson Lawmire says there was fraud in 2020. We got to address it. Uh, more important than that, Michael and Dell's got a whole show that'll tell you what happened. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. And, and, and again, I can understand even an opponent disagreeing with me, putting their foot down and saying, here's what I stand for. Uh, but when you demure and take off and can't even hold your point, one of the things I also noticed about Inhofe and, uh, and Langford, and I also noticed it about Chris Christie, uh, these, there's a, there's a, there's a, a characteristic of a rhino to where when there's no way to win it's fourth quarter and we're 27 points down and they've got the ball they're like yeah our team our team our team but when we're almost maybe going to win the presidency they're like oh i don't know i think i heard a bump go bump in the yeah. hall and then it's like man not i mean because my problem here sir is that no matter what james lankford says in the future to me honey i'll never beat you again even though i just did last weekend how can we trust him? He said he was going to do something. He backed off. I mean, it's like we cannot. There's zero words he can say. The probability well, what you're saying, mathematics is. Yes, sir. What you're saying is what I'm hearing all across the state of Oklahoma. Everywhere I go, whether it's to a home and there's 10 people there that I'm meeting with or we're at an event. The other night, there's 500 people and they're coming up and talking to me. Everyone is saying the same thing. I helped get that guy in the office. And I'm going to do everything I can to get him out of office because he has completely turned his back on everything we stand for and represent and everything he said uh, that he stood for and represented. And I can tell you, we're working very hard in building some great partnerships, obviously starting out with General Mike Flynn. Uh, the whole reason that General Flynn reached out to me, I'm the very first candidate for their super PAC is their super PAC is not designed to go after Democrats. It's to go after Republicans right. who betrayed the United States of America and betrayed the oath of office. Right. Excellent. Oldham, what do you got for us? Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm listening to all this. It's, it's, I, I think it's fabulous. I, um, my question, my next question would be uh, $1.9 trillion. Uh, what say you? Where should, it's unsustainable. What should we have done? And, and there's it's, another four trillion before that, all in one year. Um, where would you have come down? Would you have held the line and and not done anything? What are you going to be? Where, what are your positions on on one spending, two on um, on omnibus packages, 
because we've heard a lot of things from different people, and we're seeing people, again, not keeping yeah. their word. That's enough. Chew on that, sir. You know, when it comes to the printing of just excess money, I what I saw today is the U.S. was $28.1 trillion in debt. The 1.9 puts us at exactly uh, 30, which to me is just mind-boggling. It's, it's mind-boggling what we're doing, not necessarily to us, which we are, but to our children and our grandchildren. Yeah, the, the nightmare that they're going to receive, yeah. that we're going to pass down to them, uh, is incredibly selfish. What we've done, and I'll just use the last you know, 1.9, there's so much waste fraud and abuse and payoffs and all that within this package that got rammed through, uh, you have to just say, time out. What is going on here? We've got to think about this. And you may remember from years ago, uh, Congressman Jim Bridenstine, whenever he argued against a lot of the funding that was going for a hurricane relief disaster package. They had already maxed out FEMA they, and they were just going to print more money. And his question was, what are we going to cut in order to accommodate this over here? And I think that's how we have to look at it. It's just like our own personal that's budgets. True. If yeah. we have an emergency come up in life and we have to spend you know, on the emergency, what we have to do is we have to cut other areas that might be needs or wants or desires, but you have to be able to at some point live a balanced life. And the United yeah. States is out of whack right now. Now, is one senator going to go up and solve all of our problems? I dare not promise that. But you can use the bully pulpit. You can use the influence. And you do get one out of 100 votes that's very important. And that is to just use, and this is where it comes to, biblical, constitutional, but common sense. Common sense says printing all this money is not wise. Jackson, uh, Lawmeyer, we've got a hard break. If you can, I'd love to have you stick around because I feel like you've got more to say. And I know I've got I more like to say. <laughs> well, thank God. Let's hope you're up there uh, representing us uh, better than the last crew as we have our hard break and we reset at the half hour once again. Goes just like this, kiddies. Oh, yeah, the American Constitutional Republic, affairs of state in Oklahoma, the beliefs, principles, opinions and views of people just like you and me, Jackson Lawmire, David Van and David Oldham. Here we are again with 3D Politics every Monday night. I'm your fine host, Tommy McKay, right here, your verbal Viking, along with David Oldham constitutionalgrounds.com and of course David Van from soonerpolitics.org tonight's special guest Jackson Lawmeyer just lighting up the phones by golly I tell you lighting up the phones well I kind of rushed that intro a little bit what I will say I do want to get your comments as we uh, head out of that tell me about uh, term limits I used I will say I have moved uh, I very rarely change my position, but I got to say, years ago, I said elections are uh, term limits. There's no reason to let some automated force 
uh, do what are in the hands of the electorate. But with this last election, if they if 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 we've got the Dominion machines and anything else I can talk about, uh, I mean, if they're going to do that, there's the voting it's the voting. That doesn't mean anything. What what say you, sir? So that's what I have found interesting in this experience of just going around and listening to Oklahomans, no matter what the group is. It could be a group of pastors, group of businessmen. It could just be, you know, average people gathering at a home. Everywhere I go, term limits, term limits, term limits. And I happen to agree with it. And here's why. Nobody should spend a lifetime in Washington, D.C. It's unbelievable. Having a real job in your life every once in a while is not a bad thing. It's okay to go serve. Don't tell my wife. Oh. <laughs> and have a real job. So term limits, I think they're important. <clears throat> and I know I'm not running against him. And he has nothing to do with this race in particular. But Jim Inhofe, I just can't get on board with the continual re-election, 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 re-election. And so much power. What happens is... Whenever you raise that much money and it's continually happening, you scare off anyone else from running against you. So you can have complete control. It's a monopoly. And we have just seen with him that now I don't even know where Inhofe stands. You know, he used to be the champion for Oklahoma. You know, everyone loves him reelecting. And I was at the Tulsa County Convention a couple weekends ago. Yeah. And Jim Inhofe sent a representative to get up and speak. There was 500 Republicans there. I'm going to say 400 of them tried booing the guy off stage representing Inhofe. And so term limits, it's something that I think we desperately, you know, just by the way, James Langford didn't even send a representative. So right. that tells you probably what they thought was coming. Well, he was going to come, but he changed his mind. <clears throat> Van, what do you got? Oh, uh, yeah. I was at the uh, Cleveland County Convention's people know I'm running for state vice chair and uh, Langford's representatives were there and out in the hall afterwards, my good friend, former congressional candidate, uh, James Taylor uh, was confronted by Langford's team saying, how dare you use such language from up there at the podium. And he was the vice chair of the County. This was his outgoing say. And he said, it's time for Langford to get his butt back into Oklahoma and listen to what they're saying. And she scolded, she says, we don't use that language at our office, you know, trying to shame this man who's pastor of a church in Norman. I've been to his church and pastor, wow. it's okay to sometimes get a little bit crude to get your point across, right? Sure. A little bit. Yeah. A little they, bit. They, I'm, I'm a fighter. All right. I'm a fighter. So that's yeah. just my nature. I'll tell you, I'm really, really looking forward to getting on the debate stage with James Langford. Mm -hmm. It's going to be one fun time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't hardly exercise a demon without hearing some language, you know, yeah. I mean, as a Catholic. <laughs> well, and, you know, as somebody who studied Oklahoma history, Juneteenth meant nothing in Oklahoma. It was another two years after emancipation, after the Civil War in 1867, that the final tribe, the Osage, signed a compact to release their slaves. And that was at around January 19th. I think we already have a civil rights holiday on that date. So I told, you know, I told Langford's team, I said, skip the Juneteenth stuff. That might mean something in South Texas, but it doesn't mean anything here to yeah. the slaves of the tribes who are still in bondage for another two years after the Civil War. 
Yeah, with the Juneteenth and the cancel culture stuff, I don't know what the connection is. You know, he 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 wrote that bill out, and I think it was June or it may have been July. It was sometime in the summer, mm-hmm. and which was just shocking. Like, why is he didn't come out in the media and say, "Hey, you know, I think it's a good idea. Um, I support the idea." He wrote the bill, yeah. which just is is my he wrote the bill, and, and then to see him come and apologize to the black community so he can stay on the nineteen twenty one yeah. you know race massacre commission. I, I don't know what is there, but something's wow. there. This can uh, I, I think I, I, I don't I wonder, know what it is. Here's here's what I wonder what it is, and that is like okay, there is the race massacre commission, and they are they are skin toned black, and then you've got Langford, and he's very pale and redheaded so i'm not sure who's using who for skin color here because they might say hey i got a redheaded white friend yeah that might be that's, I a, will no, say it's that's a joke Lamar. it's interesting you all can do some research into that yeah pastor i will say Lang- langford's had a bad stretch of uh you know he'll say things and it will really get taken a certain way and he's got to back things down he's had to do it a number of times yeah. Uh, the wind, the but, wind here in Oklahoma whips around. He keeps putting his finger yeah. up him to change his mind. Yeah. But I'm saying that to say that's part of it. And I, when I was talking to Langford's office, I told him that. I said, but some of these things you can't excuse by saying, well, I was taken out of context. You just can't. Sure. Like flip-flopping on the J- January 6th uh, certification. You can't call that. You know, what I, I didn't appreciate was whenever there was a lot of media uproar about President Trump not giving enough intel to the Biden administration. And James Langford came out like, oh, I'm going to make sure I'm going to put my foot down and force. Oh, I President do. Remember that. That. Yeah. I, I didn't appreciate that I didn't uh, as an Oklahoman. I didn't like it. I remember that. Yep. So so one of the problems I also have besides uh, uh, other things is the 17th Amendment. I think we need to repeal the 17th Amendment because it allows you senator guys to run for popular vote and instead of being held accountable to a legislature. How do you feel about that one? You know, to be honest with you, I don't have an opinion on that. Here's something you're going to get with me. Honesty. Uh, I'll shoot it straight with you. I, I don't have an opinion on that. Okay. But I'll tell you. Uh, I'll get some people around me and they'll help inform me and I'll formulate an opinion. Well, that's good. I know that. I mean, one of the, my opinions about Trump was that he made constitutionalism popular because I never yeah. claimed that he was a conservative or even a Republican. Yeah. He's a populist and he made yeah. conservatism uh, uh, sort of and uh, constitutionalism popular. And so um, if populism gets you elected, that might be a good thing. <laughs> if, if I could... <laughs> Pastor, if I could, uh, sure. I'm going to just give you just a bit of advice. Hang on to that humility and that honesty you just gave us. You know, one of my favorite Oklahomans, a Democrat, Will Rogers, who said everybody's ignorant, only on different subjects. And <laughs> it's it's important that our politicians not try to blow smoke when they don't know. Just say you don't know. You'll never you get that from me. Yeah, that's you, important. You'll, you'll never get that. And I'll tell you what I'm doing, because I'll be honest with you, I'm a pastor. And I'm a business owner. I yeah. don't deal in a lot of these other areas. I'm putting mm-hmm. together a, a tin-headed coalition 
of leaders and advisors in different spheres of influence, such as healthcare, yeah. because you know people ask, how do we fix healthcare? I, I, I honestly don't know. I've got an opinion. I know it's really bad, but we've got professionals who are going to help me, who are like-minded professionals. We're on the same page. We've got you know small business infrastructure, faith leaders, and you name it. And these are going to be advisors to me along this process, helping yeah. inform me, create policy, because. I'll be honest, there's a lot of things that I don't know all the little details about, and I'm not going to be one who's just going to lie and BS my way through some question. Uh, I teach at a college here in Tulsa Bible College, and if somebody asks a question, I give them an on. I say there's the political answer. I can give you a BS answer, or I can give you an honest answer, and sometimes the honest answer is I don't know. Yeah, that's it. I was going to say – that, uh, yes, Oldham. You, you've oh, been... just, just. I, I mean, I love the idea of you're going to surround yourself with with knowledgeable people because that's what what we all need to do. Uh, please let me encourage you to include big me. Pick me, he says. Well, <laughs> it doesn't have to be me, but but no, pick a constitutionalist to be there to help because because this this is the problem with all the policy. We talk about it weekly on the show. Is that policy? is driven by what people think is necessary and they forget sure. that it's all illegal the way they're going about it. So you need somebody to say, whoa, 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 you're going outside the lines, bring mm-hmm. it back in and let's figure out how we can do this That's actually good. lawfully. Because if yeah. we all, if, if we had 100 senators that were thinking along that lines, we got a different country. Yeah, exactly. Right. Very true. Uh, I was just, before you get away, uh, uh, Reverend Lamar, I wanted to hear from you a little bit about your educational background and family background, just so we get a better yeah. sense of where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. So I was born here in Tulsa in the Pink Hospital, St. Francis, and yeah. then grew up. Uh, maybe you all may know, most people never know. They ask me, where did you grow up from? I always say Claremore, but that's not actually the truth. I grew up in a little place called Tilewa, in between mm-hmm. Claremore and Inola. I went to Justice Tiawa. Uh, yeah, the hills of Tiawa. Yeah. And so then I went off to Old Roberts University. That's yeah. where I got a, a bachelor's and a master's mm-hmm. in uh, theology. I became the crusade director for Reinhard Bonnke's ministry, oh, Christ sure. for All Nations. Mm-hmm. We had a, a big crusade in Oklahoma City. And while I was doing that, I stepped in as the Oklahoma State Director for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Okay. So for the last five years, I've been the uh, state director for Billy Graham's ministry here in Oklahoma, which has created an incredible ground game because I've crossed all 77 counties meeting with pastors and leaders, developing relationships on behalf of the Graham organization. But I'm not making cold calls into Pottawatomie County. I I know people (laughs) in in all these different areas just because of crisscrossing. And then from there, you know, I stepped in as the lead pastor of Sheridan Christian Center at the time. It was oh, yes. one of Tulsa's most historic churches. A lot of great ministries came out yeah. from Victory Rayma. Christian Center, Rama, uh, 30 other churches. But when yeah. my wife and I, when we stepped in, uh, the church wasn't in great shape. It, ha- yeah. it had dwindled down, and, yeah. but God did a miracle, revitalized it. Today, we don't go by Sheridan Christian Center. We're still the same church, but we go by Sheridan Church, and we've relocated from 2nd and Sheridan to 41st and Sheridan. It's just an incredible uh, journey. And then, you know, like I said, my wife and I, we have five children from 11 
all the way to one and we're done five is a great <laughs> number if we're and, stopping there. Impressive. And yeah. where do you impressive. where do you teach at you said a bible college i teach at victory college i've taught at victory college okay. uh for the last five years and um currently i'm teaching a course called hermeneutics which is yep. just a fancy yeah. word okay how do you interpret the bible sure uh, uh, yep. that is excellent uh you guys anything else for our fine guest jackson lawmeyer tonight no, you know, I just want to say Ted Cruz uh, mistakenly went after Obama on the marijuana enforcement when California and Oregon and Colorado and that. And, you know, it was Rand Paul that basically said, even though they were opponents in 2015, sure. uh, he said, no, this is states' rights. And Ted, who'd argued so many cases before the Supreme Court, <laughs> realized he wasn't thinking out of the box or he was he was mm -hmm. too narrow in his focus, and he had to agree with Rand. Yes, this is a states' rights issue. I, I'm saying it's a state that issue, in my opinion. I, I'm saying this as an example of don't be afraid to think out of the box. Question. Well, I appreciate that. And you know, in, in the, there's a lot of money uh, in Oklahoma businesses going into the marijuana industry, and they are risking it all based on the strength of the state law versus the Fed law, yeah. because there's a giant festering blister that's going to happen right there. And, and everybody uh, that is in the business right now in Oklahoma. So let's hope that uh, when you get in there, uh, uh, Jackson Lawmeyer, that you, you side with the state's rights. I will tell you this, when I ran for mayor and they accused me of not having any experience before, what, they, what I found out in the long run was they fear my ability to appoint had I won the mayorship. They, they don't fear me. They fear who I will pick to run 52 different trusts and authorities. And just like you were saying, I think you have an excellent plan of, of asking those experts uh, to advise you along the way. And so I, I think that's, that's fantastic. Tell us again one more time for all the, of our listeners about Tuesday's event, where, when, times, et cetera, because this is a big deal with General Flynn. Big deal. We're officially launching uh, the campaign Tuesday, March the 16th at the Riverwalk Thrive Time with Clay Clark and General Flynn will be there. He's endorsing me and we're going to have an awesome time together. It's going to be at 630 in the evening and to stay up to date, everyone who's watching can do something very, very simple. You just text the word Jackson, J-A-C-K-S-O-N, 22. So Jackson 22, which is for 2022 when we're running. So Jackson 22 to four seven four seven four seven it's so simple Jackson 22 to four seven four seven four seven jackson lawmeyer we're getting ready to beam you out anything else before you get out of here no i appreciate coming on and, and learning from you all and i hope to continue to come back on you know they always say if you're you're good at a church. They'll invite you back for a second time. So we'll find out how I did that. <laughs> you guys invite oh, me back. Oh, we again. want you back. Uh, 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 either way, we appreciate all the time you spent with us. Yeah. What do you got, Van, before we left? Well, the you know, we put an invitation out to James Langford, too, because we're about letting everybody have <laughs> their did. say. Yeah. 
I, I don't know if you saw. You saw that I, I officially, he has a Java thing that he does, some sort of thing. So I know he's he's worthy of getting online with us. Uh, and I and I posted to his thing and uh, tagged you on it. So everybody knew he was invited to be here. I said that uh, Jackson Lawmeyer will uh, politely welcome him here. And uh, he, he denied to respond. I even also sent it to his official Senate page and put all my personal information like you have to do to beg the senator. And I did because uh, well, he's going to be in for a shock. We're going to sneak up on him like a storm in the middle of the night. I am very excited to see you run and and, and very appreciative of your time. Uh, Jackson, Long, a hat tip to Ken Reddick for uh, connecting everybody here. And Absolutely. we're going to beam Thank you out now. Jackson Lawmeyer. There he goes. Good night. Thank you. <laughs> Good night, Jackson. We appreciate you for being here. Have a great night, everybody. You too. Tom, you have to let the cube back in. Well, I sure will. There you go. Oh, very good, gentlemen. How about that? What a fantastic interview. Yeah. We think about that. Yeah. Yeah, you got your very mic good. on. I mean, it, like everybody, we're going to have to make sure that we begin educating everybody on the Constitution so that they've got a solid foundation. Um, I hope I hope that he will surround himself with people who are uh, constitutionally solid so that we can actually get something different. Well, I mean, you know, we can all we, all we can do is start with the guy who says the right thing first. My only regret is that I was uh, I actually GT Bynum and I were on the same side of the issue for the for the teenage curfew back in 96. He was 13 and he and I that's my only regret is that I was on his he side. Was, he was he was against it before he was for it. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I really am. Uh, actually, I'm quite impressed with our our guests that we're getting here, yeah. and uh, uh, John Bennett, and now uh, Jackson Lawmeyer. Sounds like he really understands the game. He's he he really doesn't have to have every answer. He he needs to know who to pick as his advisors and who to pick. Yes, sir, Van. I do think the uh, way I'm seeing him structure, I was around people that were very much at the beginning of the Bridenstein campaign. I really think what I'm seeing here is a lot of that same pattern being followed that Bridenstein was successful in. But when Bridenstein did it, the odds were so stacked against him. Yeah. You just have to understand the odds for someone like him are very tough. That's one point. The other point I want to say is, I think we're going to see other people in this race as well. I just don't, I don't think it's Possible. just going to be these two. Really? Um, and, you know, just a disclaimer on here, because I am running for a state party position, and I am not taking sides on these. I will be objective. Right. I'll say what's good. I'll say what's bad. He does have a ways to go. Oldham, I think you would agree. Some of these yeah. things, I don't think he's really got anywhere close to where he needs to be well with and that's where i'm i'm looking to ken and others who are who are around him now yeah to facilitate those discussions so that we can get him up to speed i mean he every and and i i want this for every single candidate not yeah. just you know uh, jackson mm -hmm. not but every single candidate we want to make sure that they have a good um a good foundation in fact i just got good news that a candidate in broken arrow is willing to meet and discuss these things for 
up to two classes going through learning the Constitution so they know what they are swearing Excellent. when they swear their oath. Yeah. So I'm going to leave that that names out of it at this point because I've, I've, I'm hearing it secondhand. So I've got to I've got to confirm some things. But but this is the kind of thing that we're working on doing. Yeah. And I, I invite everybody to, to get in on it. And it doesn't have to be me. It has to be the Constitution. Oh, it has to be you, and they have to schedule it through constitutionalgrounds.com. <laughs> oh, we would love that. Mess me yeah. up, yeah. <laughs> and Graphic, I want to say, Graphic. if you think just because you're running for city council or school board or the, that federal constitutional matters are beyond and, and don't apply, oh, my God, you are not qualified unless you understand the foundations of, first, our federal uh, founding constitution, our declaration of independence, and our state constitution, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you, you know, I, I'm not going to do this today. I'll have to do this as a constitutional minute. But the the whole point is that the other night, uh, you know, time after time after time, I go to a meeting, whether it's at the city council or county or the feder the the state level. They're always talking about receiving federal money. Yeah. And it's like, you can't do that. And, and, and they're, you know, they're talking about writing grants and doing this and that and the other thing, getting money from the feds. And it's like, ah, you guys need yeah. to understand well, the constitution. I, I do accounting and uh, creative accounting. I call, I keep my federal money in my left pocket and my state money in my right pocket. That's oh, I thought you did your, your taxes quarterly, you know, like every four years. Well, those are my other two pockets. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm you know, talking about uh, uh, taxes and uh, and f money from the feds. So you know they've talked about forgiving the uh, the student debt. You yep. know for the ch for the children, sure. and then then now they just passed this uh, stimulus package for nineteen billion trillion zillion, right? One point nine trillion. So I had an idea. How about if we forgive the taxpayer debts owed on the stimulus bill? Let's just forget that. Let's forgive those debts. <laughs> well, do you realize that? Now, Oldham, I didn't get a harumph out of you. <laughs> well, do yeah. you realize? Do you realize that for the money they've spent, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was four hundred and twenty billion dollars that they gave to. I think it's to a bunch of the big big tech companies and big companies who have done nothing but destroy America and our values and, and system. Uh, Oldham, um, you've got an amen corner here. We just got a comment posted <laughs> up from Judson okay. Blevins. Understand the Constitution and don't take federal money. Right. And, well, and, but but for that, it that, was a discussion of a of thing I was at this weekend. For that four hundred twenty billion dollars, they could have they could have waived all of like the corporate taxes or something it was it was some some incredible amount yeah. of money for taxpayers uh you and me and yeah no I mean, we're gonna to, waste it to to be a purist like oldham from an economic standpoint you know how, how do you conjure up the idea of federal money when did they how do they federal money they don't have it's our, it's, there's no, this is my point about relieving taxpayers' debts. It's like if you can relieve the debt owed by a student on their college loan, and then you pass a $1.9 stimulus bill that I'm going to have to pay 
just relieve my tax burden too. Just well, totally <laughs> drop you know the so debt funny? I have also. You know what's so funny? This goes back to um, uh, uh, Cromwell in England when he went up against King Charles. The whole point about King Charles was he was a playboy on on federal money, on on Britain's money, because that's where he got his money from. Now, Van, you knew Cromwell, didn't you? <laughs> he was a lot like Donald Trump, I'll tell you that. Did you to pay attention here? <laughs> and, and, and so and so he's just wasting it on on his own on himself, and he wanted more, so he came up with a, a it was a tax, not tax. It was a forced loan um and seems reasonable we call those bonds now <laughs> and 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 the the british said screw this we're we're done and no you're not getting it and people stood up to him he threw him in prison and cromwell rose up and destroyed him in battle um and and it's like where is that in america where where are, are we will when are we going to stand up and so we we're literally at that point where where there's a George Washington. So so before George Washington, there was a king that had so much power he wouldn't step down. Then George Washington, with the American Constitution and the Revolution, was able to usurp that power for our area. And then George Washington did not become king. He 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 laid that power down peacefully. So with the 17th Amendment, which has become my deal now, be, between between the nonprofit organizations and the 17th Amendment, that's my whole show. But I mean, uh, the 17th Amendment is such a problem that it's going to take a guy like George Washington, maybe through uh, Lawmeyer, a guy like that, who will go in there and and be popularly elected on the 17th amendment to 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 repeal the 17th amendment because we've got to get the to increase and here's how i'll win him over the argument is that if he's for states rights the 17th amendment must be repealed that's what benefits states rights at the federal level otherwise it's just james lankford burning the candle at both in in a popularity contest and who knows when he wears a skirt we don't even know when. We can't contact trace the guy. I mean, we ought to be able to contact trace James Lankford to know who he's hanging out with, when he's wearing the skirt, when he's not wearing the skirt. Um, who knows when he demurs? Who knows? Take, did they take your keys away for the NSA? <laughs> for no. All, all the tracing they do on us or, or Google. Um, I, I know a guy, Van. I'm not going to say his name, though. <laughs> He worked at Fort Knox in like 76 or something. And he told me in the 90s, there ain't no gold there. Ain't no gold oh, there. Right. right. So anyway, and I was like, really? That's because yeah. they stole, you know, yeah. uh, they stole it with James Bond. All right. James, speaking of James Bond, that's back to the UK. Uh, Van, tell us about the, the, the horrible, horrible tragedy in the UK with the prince and the princess. Oh, my goodness. So you got a young starlet from Hollywood, Meghan Markle, uh, you know, bedazzles the prince, Harry, and gets married to him and basically abandons her family or most of them when she goes. She wouldn't even let her dad go to the wedding, right? Okay. I mean, this is a woman who's pretty much said, you know, family they're expendable 
Well, now she's convinced Harry that Harry's family is expendable, even though, you know, they live high off the hog. They ain't enough for it. So what they she calls the, the pantsification immaculation proclamation. Oh, gosh. Yeah. In fact, so much so that uh, uh, about a month ago, Donald Trump said, Harry, he says, I wish you luck because you're going to need it. He left it at that. But so they do a tell all last night on Oprah and my God, every woman at the salons talking about how, how poor Meghan Merkel. And I'm like, really? We got time and room and attention priority to worry about poor Meghan Merkel. You know, it, it's just absolutely insane. When Harry's a guy you ought to be worried about. And then she tries to throw uh, Prince Charles, that's her father-in-law, under the bus, okay, saying somehow was, he's racist. I walked into the room when this was on. I thought because Oprah, thank God it interrupted me. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, you're listening to the fine host, Tommy McKay, your verbal Viking here once again with David Van and David Oldham on 3D Politics live every Monday night, and we were uh, so incredibly lucky uh, this last half hour to have on our show uh, Jackson Lawmeyer, who is challenging James Lankford. You guys, we're coming up to the end of another half hour, so uh, we're going to bring it around again to the very beginning. If you want, guys want to fade out, we'll bring you guys in. Watch this. Put you in the waiting room and put you in the waiting room. And I'm going to stop that. Uh, thanks again to Jackson Lawmeyer for being on our show first half hour. The American Constitutional Republic. Affairs of state in Oklahoma. The beliefs, principles, opinions, and views of people like you. This is 3D Politics. Featuring creator of Sooner Politics expert on Oklahoma State Government, State Committeeman for Tulsa GOP, and also now running for State Vice Chair. Welcome, please, David Van. And also joining us every week, founder and scholar at Constitutional Grounds, political leader, educational speaker, former state of Oklahoma Elector, United States Electoral College, David Oldham. And there he is along with me, your verbal Viking. How about that for spinning plates? Boom, that was a lot of fun. We didn't know if we were coming back that was, on. What the heck, God. What am I supposed to do? Be here like James Langford by myself? I mean, I had to be careful not to be doing this. 
So there we were. Well, I was. Uh, so here's what I think about the Meghan Markle thing, because I walked into the room. My wife was watching it. I thought it was a thing from like 20 years ago based on the fact that it was Oprah. And then I thought like, my, this is like a rerun or something. And she had the the hair. Oprah had that. She looked like a caricature of her own damn self. I mean, she looked like a freak of nature. She looked like a cartoon character. Okay. And then they cut over to this super cute little gal and this effeminate little redhead dude. And, and I was like, what is this? She says, oh, that's Meghan Markle. And what's the problem? Well, she's black. And I was like, well, you can tell she's black by how cute she is. She's super cute. So I, don't, I call that guy a prince. How'd they get there? Tell us what they said, though. She was upset because she's supposedly black. Well, well she's half black, right? And Meghan she's Markle part of is? our royalty, well, yeah. a Hollywood starlet. So she goes from American royalty to British royalty, and she abandons both, I guess. I don't know. But she wants to be an Oprah still. You know, you got to be an Oprah. You're nothing if you're not an Oprah, don't you know? But, yeah, she she kind of insinuates that her father-in-law uh, mentioned, he said, you know, Harry and Meghan, your kids are going to be pretty dark-skinned, you know. That's supposedly racist. Now, I will say this as somebody who has something very in common with Prince Charles. Uh, you know, one of my kids married somebody of African, uh, you know, descent. And yes, my grandkids will have dark skin. I mean, unless it's some fluke that they don't. But so any good grandfather has to come to terms with that and has to understand that you got some special requirements on you. You got to enter the civil rights battle in a way that you never have and never thought you would because your grandkids are gonna need you. Right. And that's nothing to be ashamed of, Prince Charles, okay? So that that's my whole point, to try to call that racist. No, that's being a forward-thinking grandfather. Well, the fact is, though, we're, the racism has nothing to do with skin color anymore. We were, we're so far past racism that you're not called racist anymore having to do with anything skin color. It really has zero yeah. to do with skin color. And if Racism's go whatever a liberal need, a leftist needs it to mean. <laughs> I mean, I... All too often the case. Yeah. It, it, like if, if I am from the tall family and I put up a mark on the on the door jam that said you must be this yeah. tall to be in this family, they would say, well, you, you can't neglect your children. Well, the kid's not tall enough. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? You just grade people according to their skin tone. Yeah. Because the fact is, because it's all about forced group association. They the, the people who don't like me will say, well, you're you're white privilege. I'm like, no, I'm not. They're like, you don't know it. And I'm like, but I'm Cherokee. Well, it doesn't matter. You're you're wide enough to be privileged by not knowing it enough. I'm like, I don't get to pick the group I'm in. The group picks you or kicks you out. I am genetically, literally genetically connected to a family. Yeah. And I can get kicked out of the family. But I can prove with DNA I'm a member of the family. But it doesn't matter because the family picks you. And the family kicks you out. 
So it's not about race or color or anything. It's a clique. It's all about group, forced group association van. Okay. I want to say this. In a large part, thanks to the charity and, and, and godliness of Lori Gracie, we are all now married men in this room, right? <laughs> okay. That's correct. So, I'm writing so, a song about that. You know, here's the thing I want to say to Harry. In one sense, I have to say, now there's a guy being his own man, if he is. Because as a married man, you've got to put your spouse, your flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones, right? You got to put that ahead of all what the in-laws are expecting, you know, all this to be. You yeah. have to. But at the same time, and guys, you can, I'm sure you know this. You don't just marry a woman. You marry her traditions, her family, her culture. You marry everything about them. The same is true for Meghan Markle. She's going to marry into British royalty. You know what? It's on her to adapt. And she went belly aching to him. Well, nobody taught me what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to know the 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 United Kingdom's national anthem, and nobody taught it to me. And you know, Michael Knowles said, "Hello, there's Google. That's what we use." <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, this everything. What's true in the in the micros, too, in the macro. And this yeah. is a big macro story. And, and what we what we know in the micro is that they have tested the slavery label on Tulsa, Oklahoma yeah. and smaller communities. And they've tested the slavery racism label on the United States. And it works and it's worked. And so now what they're doing is saying, let's move our campaign to the UK. And how will we do it? Oprah and that effeminate redhead Harry and then Mark and making Mark and making Margle. Whatever her racist name is, uh, Megan, Megan, Megan Markle. There it is. Uh, you know, you guys ever watch uh, Mystery? How much Theater respect for the royalty? Go ahead. You guys man. ever watch this uh, kind of offline channel called Mystery Three Theater Three Thousand or something like that, no. where these guys give commentary while you're watching some classical it's comedic movie. commentary. You know, I want to watch the Megan Markle Oprah Winfrey <laughs> deal. With sound effects of a whiplash every time Harry gets whipped. <laughs> I'd like to do some of that. That's pretty funny. It is. It is embarrassing, which I think was your first point, really. It's, I stay away from the class envy all I can. But it, it really falls on deaf ears to hear a prince and a princess say, you know, we ran away from home and it was so hard. And you're like, you know, did you get a pee under your mattress? <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know, I mean, I mean, you did marry that putz. But I, mean, I would complain about that first. <laughs> You know, the married guy, you know, that's the thing. If Harry takes charge of his own life, I'm proud of him. But if he's going to be led around by somebody else with another agenda who has basically thrown away her family and now has convinced him to throw away his, it seems, you know, I, I'm just I could be really impressed with Harry if I saw him being his own man instead I mean, of just being, you know, let's get real from a philosophical standpoint, the concept before you get to persons, the idea of Royal blood is what, <laughs> I mean, it's called pure. It's a pure lineage. So the fact that we're, that someone would concern themselves with lineage, when it comes to the royal family, it has literally nothing to do with race yet. <laughs> I mean, it could simply be we don't want that person who lives in Wales. <laughs> Prince Charles is half German, first of all. Right. Queen Elizabeth's husband is a German man. 
Okay, so I don't don't give me this crap about pure lineage. They're I'm just saying the whole idea of privilege is what they're born into. Well, either way, the idea yeah. that you, the whole idea of a eunuch is to make sure we're not mixing anybody else into the royal blood. And you really had to be committed to seeing there. I'm telling. I, I think that's pretty much done in England now. <laughs> I, I think so. Except you know? for Prince Harry. You can see it. I, I don't know. <laughs> You know, my thing, keep in mind. I am, I, in this whole conversation, you're lost, buddy. So glad that I don't watch TV and know this. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I am so glad that, that I did not know that Oprah Winfrey had shown back up on TV yeah. and that she was helping somebody to air their dirty family laundry yeah which should never be put out there i mean it's like come yeah. on you know yeah. what you do know about oldham is uh uh vaccinations and vaccination rules what were you doing here uh, recently you just flew back in yeah. you did a thing <laughs> plus we're also going to have a COVID update from a uh, van about vaccination rules well um Lori and i took off and uh were invited to uh fly down to florida and meet with a bunch of other uh, patriots and, and frontliners who, who were meeting to talk uh, liberty and the law and, and so forth. And what can we all do about it? What were we doing in our various parts of the country? And so we met people from all over the country um, and a big group from, from Michigan. It was fabulous to talk to them because they've had to go up against Megan Whitmer uh, out there. Uh, who and, and all of these various governors who just think that they have the right to decree uh, from on high like they're emperors or something like that. And, um, and so anyway, we, we, we went out there and met with them, learned a ton of things. Also learned uh, that the things that we talk about here on 3D are not widely discussed in other states and so forth. Really? And so, oh no, 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 the, 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 the gap is massive. There's a lot there, but there's a lot of people trying to do the right things, but they don't know what the right thing is oftentimes. Yeah. Right. And so um, anyway, it was, it was a fabulous, fabulous uh, event. Uh, we got done with the event and we took an extra day just to finally have a day for ourselves. And we stayed there. We wanted to do some shopping and dining, and so we were asking around where to go, and we, we got pointed to this place. And it turns out when we get there that it's part of Universal Studios. Oh. So you have to get on the Universal, the property of Universal. There's all these outdoor shops and, and, and dining establishments, and it's all outdoor, uh, you know, where we were going to be. And we got turned away at the top of the stairs because we, we weren't wearing masks. And they would not let anybody be in the out of doors on that property without masks. Mm -hmm. And um, and I got to talking with a cop about various things, and he said, "Ah, oh, Orlando's not not enforcing it, but this is private property; they can do whatever they want." Yes. I started a little bit of a conversation. Lori is livid, um, and <laughs> uh, and. And I start a conversation, and he starts spouting almost immediately. Starts talking about, well, we have we have um, uh, immunity. You know, we have uh, what's it called? The uh, for police. The all of a sudden it went out of my head. Um, 
that we have immunity and you you know we you can't come back at us you have to sue in civil court you know the the property and the police department but you can't hold me responsible even if i arrest you for a you know for a wrongful trespass well yeah um, and that's the rule in oklahoma here in tulsa well, for it's, it's a it's a judicial it's a judicial thing it's all been set up it's not even in the statute in most places the, no, the let's clarify that because in tulsa remember uh gt bynum said and the police department actually said, no, we're not going to write any citations for not wearing a mask. Right. But if a business owner says on this promises, this is what's required. If you don't right. do it, you're out of here. If hey, they right. don't leave, it is trespassing. You are listening to the voice of David Van right there, creator of SoonerPolitics.org, along with David Oldham, the founder of ConstitutionalGrounds.com, and me, of course, Tommy McKay, your fine host at verbalviking.com look at there kids yeah so Oldham, yeah man, where, yeah. yeah go ahead well, well Oldham, I, where where are they different than that because that's what Tulsa well they're is. not but that is all bunkum because remember the the business owner the civil rights act of 1964 says that that we that they have the right to choose to be a place of public accommodation but once they choose that place of public accommodation, they don't get to choose who they serve. And they don't get to discriminate against who they serve. Now, if I walk in without a mask, I'm not causing a disturbance. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm exercising my liberty and they can't turn me away because that's what I'm doing. So I can walk into a restaurant barefoot and shirtless and they can't throw me out. Huh? We'll have to talk about that. A lot of that stuff is bogus. Now they can, they can make some health requirements and, and so forth, but they actually have to be something. Now, mind you, the shirt and shoes thing has been long, long, long standing and goes back before people started trying to get away without it. The mask is a brand new thing. That's, and, and there's nothing natural about a mask. Wearing clothes is a natural thing. Hold on, hold on, And uh, you're going to say that, but it comes back to- Let, Remember the back fat, yeah. It's a I mean, please, I, I understand, you, you taught me- you taught me, Oldham, uh, and it's my my extracting information from you that I was born with no mask on my face. And when they argue about seatbelt laws, I can say to them, I was not born with two thousand pounds of iron under my ass. And so the the seatbelt law has no application to the mask law, but the shirt and shoes is where I was saying. That, that back to the back fat episode we had where the ladies wanted to walk around without shirts and, and, and they said they could because men could. And I was saying it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a public, it, it violated the community public standards and regardless of decency, it had nothing to do with the constitution. It had to do with the public decency, which is not public health. And this is where they're going to try to get us. So I think the argument here has to go scientific to where there is no health risk. No, 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 okay. no. That's where, that's where this all falls down because there, the, there's never going to be an agreement. There's never going to be this, this provable consensus. Remember, 
our liberty remains until we violate the rights of others. Okay. We abuse our liberty, and then we have our day in court. Vans then our liberty coming. can be deprived. Okay, but Oldham, somehow there's been a nuance here with you because last spring in summer we said, we agreed, if a business says, hey, we're OSU fans and everybody's got to wear orange in here, no, 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 no. I've never agreed that uh, if, if I did, I, I, I totally misspoke. No, you cannot, you cannot uh, turn away Sooner fans because you don't like Sooner. If you well, are a no. place of public accommodation, you can't do it. That's the Civil Rights Act of 1964. You cannot Why? do it. No, yeah, no, that's, I also, that's also Article 4 of the U.S. Constitution, Section 2. It's also the 14th. What does that say? Don't give me um, Article numbers. 4 says, says that the citizens of each state shall be entitled to the privileges and immunities of in the citizens states. of the se several states. Well, yeah. So, in other words, we all have the same privileges, freedom, right. and the immunities from being prosecuted for the exercise of them when we're not harming others. Well, yeah, that's well, state to state. That was the context. And, well, and the idea is that that, that runs... That is to run uh, smoothly state to state. In other words, one state can't be prohibiting things that are not harming others just because well, they want to. Because yeah, they like and it. on that same line, that. for instance, a congressman cannot be arrested while they're on their way to Congress going through another state. Well, they have that's, immunity. A separate, that's a separate line But item. it's the same concept. You don't pick on people from other states because they're from other states. Well, there's that too, but um, I think saying, that's the heart of it. No, 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 no. What it's saying is that that the people in Connecticut have the same privileges and immunities as the, as the people in California. Right. So Californians can't treat Connecticut citizens differently than they treat their own. Uh, correct. But it more means that Californians must treat their people in the same way that Connecticut treats theirs and vice versa. We all well, then, have that same, those same well, right. No, I, right. I disagree. Cause then you would be saying uh, that Oklahoma cannot make a law that all the other states haven't also made. No, no, well, that's not what, it, you can't violate somebody's privilege or immunities. And those privileges and immunities are, are, they're across the board in all the states. That, that cross the board is going to be a federal board. It's not going to be state board. It's yeah. going to be federal law. Yeah. That's, well, that's where you get okay. from that very passage is where you get the bill. Okay. Of but Oldham, let's get back to this specific application here. Sure. If a business owner says, here's the rules in this business, and we're applying them to everybody who comes in this business, that that business owner has certain latitudes is owner of that business. For instance, there's a, a weapons shop in Oklahoma City that actually has a sign that says, nobody comes in here with a mask on. And they're doing that in the name of safety. They want everybody to be fully identified in that shop. And they have every right to do surveillance cameras on everybody coming in there. You know? And By the same it, token, they should also, they should also make, or they, they should also be required to make allowance for people to come in with a mask, come in with a burqa, whatever, show their face. I had to do it to get on the airplane this morning. I had to pull my mask down, which they were requiring me to wear, 
to, so he could verify that I am this picture on my ID. Yeah. And and so I had to pull it down. Well, you pull it down, you show your face, they get okay. a snapshot on it on a camera as you come through the okay. door, then you put well, your we mask beat, back up, everything's good. Yeah, and I take your point, and we beat so, this one, you know, pretty hard. What I do want to say is CPAC had that same kind of policy that you ran into there at University Village. CPAC was enforcing that last weekend. I don't doubt it. It was probably put on them, but yeah. um, but they may well have been. Uh, it um, was the agreement with the hotel and conference center. Right. I mean, it's let's understand. Quick Trip the and the, the different companies and uh, 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 the, the, the Disney World, uh, all these different places, they really don't have the governmental authority to force people to wear masks. The only people who can force you to wear a mask is your state and local and federal governments. And so these mask mandates, to my bigger point, yeah. and then you can tear it down, these mask mandates are being utilized by big government to do what I learned in the cable world called penetration rate. Before the digital world, they were they were laying cable. And if there was 100% of a neighborhood and 80% of it was hooked up to cable, they had an 80% penetration rate in that neighborhood. And what they're doing now is they're saying, you got to wear a mask, you got to wear a mask. And then they observe and they take their data. Remember, it's all going to be data-driven. Oh, GT Biden's going to be data-driven. You know what the data is? They're going to look and see how many people are playing along with the sheep game. Okay. Okay. And then who? how many people are wearing a mask? And when they get to a certain level, then they'll just force the other people out of business well okay. the, the one thing that i wanted to mention in this in this whole thing is already there are penalties being being put on people who are not wearing masks by landowners and that is being enforced by the uh the cities and that's what the broken arrow mask resolution and say about. something before yeah. i do well we pretty much morphed into our COVID updates so i'm just going right. to give the last part of it is the cdc's come out today with some numbers first of all some statistical numbers that according to them the big mask preachers they're saying that mask mandates only impacted the spread by slowing it down two percent two percent if everybody complied with the mask mandate, it only dropped the spread 2%. Now in Oklahoma, we found out the mandate actually increased it back at the beginning of December. And then they quit studying it because it wasn't giving them the numbers they wanted, you know. Right. But then the other thing they said is restaurants that had full dine-in and everything, that that increased the spread 3%. If they had no restrictions on restaurants and crowding and how close the booths are to each other. So all of these things were pretty marginal. All of these impositions on our liberty and on commerce were marginal. So I want to say that the next thing they said is they are now giving us permission to take off our mask if we've been vaccinated. And then only rain. around our family. I'm saying this, and Olin, you got to help me with this. We got to watch because you're you're going to say the same thing I am. This is going to be a slowly progressing thing. Of we have to get permission to take off our mask and watch how this happens. Oh yeah. Well, again, again, the entire point is everybody is passing this down to someone else, and they're pushing this down mm -hmm. to the store owners and and yes. and so forth, it while they are at simultaneously simultaneously 
extorting them for, through the back door through yes. the governmental agencies. They're just not talking about it through the licensing and other means, yeah. the regulatory agencies, which yes. are not regulating at all. It's just extortion. That's exactly and, how they're uh, going to do it. And, and, and most of it's bluff. Yeah. Most of it is abject bluff. Yeah. Um, and, and so what they are trying to do is make sure that we feel the pain for not right. going along. And those pains are here and now without any court case. Without yes. Without a hearing. Right. And, and Be without anything being proved that we've done anything wrong. Remember, bills right. of attainder aren't are, they come up because they cannot prove them in court yeah. so they just okay. dictate them legislatively and what they're using is going to be private industry and co private commerce and they're going to pull their strings by threatening to re remove their license right correct but it's also going to be some pseudo government things like for instance ou announced that next year's football games at owen field in 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 norman it's going to be full capacity. Now, how much you want to bet you're going to have to show a vaccine card? Well, they're saying that. I mean, that's the new CDC um, uh, release is that if you have had both shots two weeks after your both shots, well, then you're okay. You're considered fully okay to take and, off your mask indoors. And this is going to be a problem. It's much like the real ID that we've been fighting for over 10 years. You know, you can't get on an airline pretty soon coming up unless you've got, you know, all the paperwork and filled out in your driver's license and stuff for real ID. This is a, this is a clear attack on the free, not only consumerism, which we haven't even touched, yeah. but yeah. Uh, freedom of association. Hold them. Travel. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's your life. Yeah. Think about it. This, this kind of thinking is a life license. They just say, look, you can't unless you comply. And only yeah. if you comply can you, you know, so in other words, you have yeah. to bow the knee, bend the knee, bow to the, the rulers, yeah. that, and that, listen. And whatever they say, and then whatever they, once you've done that. Then okay, they once you do that, then how about getting an apartment? An apartment complex. Oh, Are they going to start they doing they that? Are we eventually going to have leper colonies outside the city for those who don't get the vaccinations? Oh, no, they're going to be in the city. The CDC well, has a whole thing, and you can go and read on the city yeah. on the CDC website where they've got basically concentration camps ready to go. No, and, that's and, my point. And talk about how to do it. And, and at the local level, I think it was GT Bynum. I don't know. I know it was yep. GT Bynum, but today, I think it was today on the radio. This is like the abusive, lying husband. He says, yes. And, and, and remember, Van, last week you were talking about the numbers look good. The numbers yeah. for COVID were dropping. We're looking yeah. good, right? And so what is GT Bynum's local mayoral response to that? He says, yeah, yeah, the numbers are good, but we don't want to keep, we want to keep doing it in case that reverses. Ah. So it's like, you know, yeah, I won't hit you again this weekend because it looks like you're doing what I want you to. But I'm yeah. going to go ahead and keep my fist yeah. up in case your yeah. attitude reverses. And, I mean, this, this is, is what I, There's no yeah. answer in sight. Yeah. And Oldham knows I'm bastardizing the term, but I'm going to keep doing it. Laws of prior restraint. Not on our speech, but we're going to for because you might not use your freedom right. We're going to take it away before you ever do anything wrong. 
Guys, we're about one minute out. You got it. You want to go another second? No, no I think I think we can we can put off everything. All else right, gentlemen, I'm going to start beaming you guys out once again right here on 3D Politics. We've got creator of SoonerPolitics.org, David Van, and there he goes. <laughs> and of course. We're going to beam out also David Oldham, founder and scholar at constitutionalgrounds.com. And there he goes. And, of course, here I am, Tommy McKay, going to head out. Don't forget to find me at verbalviking.com.